Well, what is going on, everybody? How are you this morning? Some of y'all are weak. Thank you for saying hello to me. That was so kind. For those that do not know, my name is Nick, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New Vision. And for those watching online, we are glad that you decided to worship with family this morning. This clip is from a movie called We Bought a Zoo, which was one of the most surprising movies I've ever watched, but one of the best movies I've ever watched. Matt Damon is having this conversation with his son and just saying, hey, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Sometimes you just need a moment of insane bravery. And today, what we are going to talk about, what we're going to discuss as we land the plane on our Joshua series that we have been in for three months, y'all. Y'all been in it. We're going to remind ourselves really of where we began with this charge from God to be strong and very courageous. And Joshua's going to charge the Israelites really with the same kind of charge. Be strong and courageous because of who your king is. Annie Downs says this in her book, Let's All Be Brave. Be brave for yourself, be brave for your God, and be brave for the onlookers, the ones who will be inspired by you to inspire others. Today we're going to wrestle with this question, to be brave or to not be brave, that is the question. In case you don't know, the definition of brave is this, Ready to face and endure danger or pain, showing courage. If y'all are anything like me, I am prone to run from pain or discomfort. I am prone to not want to embrace it. And think about it this way. If ever I have a little ailment, if ever I'm a little sore, I will run very quickly to some Tylenol to alleviate even the mildest of symptoms. Because I do not like pain. And I really don't even like awkward, amen? Amen. You try to get out of those situations as quick as possible. But the invitation from our king most of the time when it comes to obedience is not a step away from pain or discomfort, but a step into it. And none of us are prone to do that, but that is what it means to be brave. And we get to be brave because we have a king who is faithful. Let me say that again. We have a king who who is faithful. So today, as we dive into Joshua, we're going to begin our time together with remembering really the initial charge found in Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, where it says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead, Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. See, in his point of pain, God meets Joshua and says, Joshua, I have an invitation for you. I know that Moses is dead. I know you were his right-hand man, but I'm inviting you to step in, not to run away, not to flee, but to lean in. Verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then verse number six, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land 
I swore to their ancestors to give them. Today we get the opportunity to be bread. We're going to explore and wrestle with this invitation to be brave or not to be brave. We're going to wrestle with this opportunity that we have been given and this invitation from the king to be thermostats that set the tone and the temperature for those around us instead of being thermometers that just reflect society and just reflect what's around us. We get an opportunity to be brave. May we all be brave. Let's pray. Father God. Thank you. Thank you that you are faithful in season and out of season. Thank you that you have been faithful in the past, you are faithful in the present, and you will be faithful in what's to come. And may in light of you, may we be a people that respond to your faithfulness by being brave and courageous and accepting your invitation and taking a step. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you that you've invited us to be a part of your story. Lord, may we step full into the invitation that you have given us. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. We're going to end this 12-week series in the last chapter of this book. Kind of what's going on as we experienced last week with Brady is it's like the beginning of the farewell speech. And what we're going to do today is we're going to get the final leg of this farewell speech. And it's going to encourage us as it did the nation of Israel. At the beginning of chapter 24, it's the same old, same old that Joshua has been telling them that we have been reminded of. He tells them that, hey, I want you to remember that God chose you, not because you stood out, not because you were special, but because he chose you as his people. He also delivered Israel. He was the one that went before you. He was the one that has been faithful. He has guided you, and he has given you this inheritance that was promised. God is faithful, and he keeps his promises. And so in Joshua chapter 24, Verse 11, let's pick up. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. Again, Joshua talking to the nation of Israel. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did all the Amorites, Perjusites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. What I'm not going to miss is these words I have to say. (laughs) But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And then Joshua with a mic drop moment. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When I used to read that text and not understanding the full context of what he is saying, I used to thought it was kind of Joshua had a posture of, hey, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
But as I read this more and more, I kind of feel like Joshua is putting a little stank on it. For some of y'all, like, what is stank? I'll try to explain later, but just keep up with me. What I mean is, Joshua has this moment where he goes, listen, I don't know what you mama and them going to do. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He had to put a little statement on it because he's like, listen, what I do is not going to be based on you do. What I'm going to do is going to be based on my king. And so as for me and my house, we are going to choose to serve the Lord because Joshua did something that we typically don't do very well. He remembered well what his king has done. See, if we are going to be brave, we have to remember the why behind our bravery. We have to remember why we are going to be brave. And we're not being brave just for bravery's sake. We are being brave because our king has been faithful. And it's a natural and a fitting response to what a faithful king has done for us. If you stepped God, if you were faithful God, let my response be a step of faithfulness and bravery. But we don't remember well, this last week, we were on spring break with our kids, and we went on vacation, and my kids sometimes don't remember very well. If you have kids, you will know this, that sometimes your kids are a reminder of where you are not in your sanctification process. So our kids, my wife and I, we went on vacation, and we're eating at restaurants, and my kids must have forgotten that they didn't bring anything to the table other than their appetite. Because we would mention a place to eat, and this is what I would get. I know y'all are going to be shocked by this. Ah, we're eating there. Do they even have chicken tenders? Like, there are moments where you're like, Lord, please go before me, because I'm about to trip a child. And then we got the opportunity to remind them that they're not even leaving the tip. That everything that they really have, the clothes on their back and the shoes on their feet and the food in their belly did not come from their hands. It came from me and their mamas. So you have to remind them they had forgotten. Then we had to remind them again. And I got to share about my past and my upbringing a little bit. We got our kids their own room adjoining our room. And my kids had the audacity to be bothered when I asked them if our youngest son could sleep with one of them. They're like, what? You want me to share my bed? He breathes too loud. He sometimes crosses that middle line and tries to snuggle me. I don't want that in my bed. It's good to pause before you respond to your children. (laughs) So I got to just remind them of my upbringing. See, for one, we were in the room with my parents. Me and my older brother would share a queen, sometimes a full-size bed, in the room with my parents. And you better be thankful for it. You didn't ever say anything out loud. You would say it on the inside. Don't get me wrong. But you would never look at them and be like, um, can you get me my own room? <laughs> like, I imagine if I would have came at my dad like that, be like, hey, dad, uh, can I get my own room? I would have woke up on Tuesday. 
It's true. It's true. So I got this opportunity to remind them of what was true. Because here's the thing. The same issue that my kids sometimes have is the same issue I have. Isn't it funny that sometimes the same frustrations that we have with our children and we hear what we're saying to our children, sometimes we hear it and we go, God, is this how I act like? And he goes, yes, <laughs> it is. As a matter of fact, it is. But we have to remember well, because to remember well is to walk well. To remember what God has done provides fuel for our feet to walk in a different posture. We have to remember the why. We have to remember well. I love how Tony Evans summarizes that last text. He says this, God reminded the Israelites that they were living in homes they hadn't built, eating food they hadn't grown, and sitting under shade trees they hadn't planted. That sounds like many a conversation I had with my dad growing up. Where he would have to remind me of what is true. But we have to make a decision. Based on what I know of God, based on his faithfulness, based on what is true, am I willing to take a step? And is that step going to be a brave step towards promotion or a lesser step towards blunder? Now let me explain this a little bit more. See, promotion and blunder are chess terms. And so my mom taught me how to play chess when I was a kid. Y'all should be really impressed that I know how to play chess, but we'll talk about that later. But she would teach me, and this chess term, promotion, means when a pawn goes across the entirety of the board and reaches the other side, then it can become a previous kind of pawn that was taken, like a bishop or a queen. And so over the process and the journey, they become something greater so that they can better be leveraged to be used in order to win the game through a checkmate. Now, a blunder is also another chess term. That means that the opponent moves and you move without thinking about it or based on how you always play, without surveying the board, and it typically doesn't lead anywhere good. So we have a choice to make, either we are going to take a brave step towards promotion or a lesser step towards blunder. And here's what's true. And y'all know this because y'all are smart people. You can't walk in two different directions at the same time. Some of y'all are like, what? But if I'm walking this way, I can't walk the opposite way at the same time. And I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to give y'all that visual image because it would be a hot mess. But you can't. You either go one way and let go of the other way, or you go the other way and let go of that way. There is no in-between. It truly is an either or, not a both and. Think about it this way. If I'm holding on too tightly to what I have, and the Lord wants to offer me something else, I can't take hold of what he has for me while I'm still holding on to what I'm holding on to. In order to take hold of it, I have to surrender this so I can take hold of what God has for me. The same is true for being brave and courageous, y'all. We can't be brave as well as not being brave. We can't do the same thing. And Joshua's going, listen, either you're going to follow the Lord and you're going to look at his faithfulness and be reminded and walk in a different way, or you're going to do what you have always done, and what has that gotten you? Verse 16. 
Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Can we pause for a second? Can we remember who's talking right now? The Israelites. Y'all know them. Y'all have often said, bless the Israelites' heart. You know who I'm talking about. These are the same Israelites that Moses went up to the, on the mountaintop for about four and a half minutes. And they're like, Moses must be dead. Let's worship the golden calf. Woo! These are a wayward people. Time and time again, these people who are saying, far, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods, these are the same people that almost every opportunity where they can be disobedient, they choose disobedience. But yet in this moment, they're going, no, 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 no. Yes, we would never chase after other gods. We would not run after lesser things. Come on now, Joshua, verse 17. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, who lived in the land. We, too, will serve the Lord because he is our God. So the Israelites at this moment go, hey, we are choosing for our houses as well to serve the Lord. That is what we are saying. Joshua said to the people, a very sobering passage, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Here's what I wrote down. Bravery and courage is not evidenced with just words, but with steps. Bravery is not just evidenced with just words, but with steps. To be honest with you, for me, I am really good about talking about faith. I'm really good about talking about bravery. I'm really good at talking about courageous, being courageous. But sometimes the evidence of my life doesn't support the words that I say. Let me say it again in case you didn't hear that. Sometimes the evidence of my life, or the Bible, Scripture calls it fruit. The fruit of my life doesn't back up what my words are saying. See, bravery and being courageous and being faithful is not something that we say, but it's a posture in which we live. Like to say that you love the Lord, but you hate your neighbor, there is no evidence to support what we are saying. If I may just take a moment, even when we say things on social media, I just got to throw it in there. Because sometimes I believe that we as followers of Jesus leave the world scratching their heads because what we say and how we live doesn't reflect the heart of the king. Let's just be honest. But we get this opportunity to not only let our words be the evidence, but something even crazier. We get to allow our lives to be the evidence of our posture and what king we are following. See, being brave and courageous is not just evidence by our words, but it's evidenced by our lives. 
And here's a question for you to wrestle with. It's one that I had to wrestle with. Does the way I live reflect the king I am following? Does the way I live reflect the king that I am following? And let me go ahead and say this too. You cannot be brave and courageous without following the Holy Spirit. You can't just will yourself to do this. The Lord has left the helper on purpose. And here's a question I ask myself all the time. Does my life reflect that I'm living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit of God? 1 John 4, 4 says this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Guys, we have the power of a living God within us that empowers us to live differently, that empowers us to chase after the king, that empowers us to do things that we normally could not do in and of ourselves. Does your life reflect that you are living an empowered life? Would your neighbor say, man, the thing that defines their life is the way they are living a Holy Spirit-empowered life. I smell the aroma of Jesus coming off of their lives. Would your coworker say that about you? Would your parent say that about you? Would your child say that about you? Would your friend say that about you? Would your spouse say that about you? Do I need to keep going with the person in traffic that doesn't let you turn? Say that about you. See, sometimes for me, I recognize that, man, my life looks so powerless, which doesn't make sense because I have the power of a king within me. What would it look like if I not only believed what God said, but I walked out my belief with my life? What would that look like? And what if there was evidence to back up my words? But that's only going to happen if we live through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 23. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Bravery and courage requires a plan of action. You might be going, Nick, what do you mean by that? If you are just saying you're going to do something, but you're not making plans and steps to do that thing, most of the times I find out that you don't do that thing. Let me give you an example. I'll give you a couple. If you know you need to apologize to someone you have wronged, let's say it's a spouse, let's say it's someone you're dating, you need to apologize for what you have done wrong. The plan of action is this. After we go to the Cracker Barrel and we get on, get, eat all these beautiful carbs called biscuits, when we get to the house, before I take a nap, before I do any yard work, I'm going to sit my spouse down and say, hey, I wronged you. I was wrong. I am sorry. See, for some of us, we talk about doing it, and even in our heads, we go, you know what? I probably should apologize. Listen, if you're having the conversation with yourself that you probably should apologize, guess what? That's the Holy Spirit saying, you better apologize. 
And sometimes we're like, Lord, I wish you would make it clear. He's like, how clear do I have to make it? You done read it. My spirit done spoke it. Now you need to do it. Another plan of action, for some of you, you know that the Lord is inviting you to take a bold step of faith and to be brave. Maybe that's saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Maybe that's inviting a friend, a neighbor, or a coworker to come to church with you. It's something like that. And you're going, okay, I know I need to do that, but it just stays there and there's never a plan. A plan would say, I am going to text them right now. What are you doing next Sunday? Would you like to come to church with me? That's a plan of action. That's a step of bravery. What is it for you? What's your plan of action? Maybe for you it's something even deeper. Maybe for you, you have been walking in an identity that is defined by your past. And the thing you hold up as the banner over your life, the thing you hold up as your identity is that thing you have done in your past. I am my divorce. I am my mistake. I am my wrong turn. Maybe your plan of action is go, you know what? I'm going to surrender that past identity into the king's hand and I'm going to allow him to redeem it and use it however he wants. I'm going to bring it to light because it's no longer going to have power over me. But I'm telling you, if it just stays in the thought process but never is walked out and there's never a plan, you will continue to run in circles, everybody. And the reason I know this is because I have lived this. What step are you going to take? What's your plan of action? Verse 25, almost finished. On that day... Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them the decrees and laws. He reminded them of who their God was. He reminded them of how to be a people of God. He did the remembering well. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, This stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people each to their own inheritance. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. That brother must have took his vitamins. The temptation for us is to believe that the book of Joshua is about the Israelites. They play a part, but they're not the whole part. The book of Joshua is the story of a king, a good and righteous king, who chose a people to bestow grace upon. He went before them, he was in their midst, and he had their back. And he was faithful over and over and over and over again. In spite of the lack of faithfulness of his people. Because God is a faithful God. The king is faithful in spite of our bravery or courage or our faithfulness. His faithfulness is based on himself, not on your faithfulness. Which leads us to want to be more faithful because that's a grace like we've never tasted of before. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. 
And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. It is what God has been up to. It's about God's faithfulness. It's about the grace of God. And we get to respond to this this grace with steps of bravery, courage, and obedience. Why? Because our king is faithful. I thought as we close today, I needed to remind us of the faithfulness of our king that will lead us to being faithful as a response. Joshua chapter 3 verse 14 says this, The nation of Israel is on the edge of crossing the Jordan River. Verse 14 says this. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. I love how scripture just drips how awesome God is. It's like he's just like, hey, and by the way, let me tell you, the river was flooded too. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite the Jericho. What did the water do? Y'all better put some bass in your voice and speak with some confidence. What did it do? stopped. Who did that? God did it. So I think sometimes we forget what kind of king we have. See, God did it, and he invited the nation of Israel to be a part of what he was doing. His faithfulness was not based on them taking a step. His faithfulness was based on his character. It was based on him. He moved when he didn't have to. And then he invited this wayward people to be brave and courageous and to take a step. But he did all the heavy lifting. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. Let's pause for a second. What kind of ground? Here's something we need to remember, and I don't want us to miss this. Our God is not a halfway faithful God. He's not a sort of faithful God. He is a fully faithful God. He doesn't do anything halfway He doesn't do anything subpar. He does things all the way to the point where I would have walked across in muddy ground, y'all. That would have been sufficient for me. I would have been nervous about my shoes getting dirty, but it would have been okay. But notice that God said, no, 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 no. Not only are you going to walk across where there is no water, I'm going to allow the ground to be dry. That is what I do. Verse 20 of chapter 6, the nation of Israel is marching around this wall. And instead of wielding their weapons, they are wielding trumpets and just their voices. Because God said, hey, I want you to see something and I want you to trust me. Verse 20 says this, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, When the man gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. What did the wall do? Thank you. I like the confidence. Collapse. God did that. God used weapons? No. 
He used instruments and voices to bring down a wall. Why? Who gets the glory from that? No one is walking around nation of Israel and be like, man, you sure did blow that trumpet well. And you shouted so well and so loud. Look at what you did. No, 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 no. Those who saw this were like, look at what your God did. And you got to play a part in that. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Listen, I'm sure, I could only imagine that these Israelites, as they're marching around this wall and they're using a military method that has never been used before in the history of the world, trumpets and voices. I'm sure the temptation when they had to shout that last time and they had to blow that trumpet really loud the last time, I'm sure the temptation for them, I'm sure, because they were humans like I'm a human, was to not shout. Because what if, what if in this moment, Lord, I shout and I end up looking like a fool because the walls don't fall. Here's my encouragement for me and here's my encouragement for you. Don't stop one shout short. Don't do it. Your king is a faithful king. He has been faithful in the past. He is faithful in the present. And he will be faithful in the future. How do I know that? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Also in Annie Downs' book, Let's All Be Brave, she says this. When God calls you to be brave, he will make it work. It won't be perfect. It won't be easy. But it will be your story and your best story. So here is the question. To be brave or not to be brave? That is the question. What is it that God is inviting you to take a bold step of faith and bravery, to hold on to his hand and to trust? What does it look like? What is that moment for you that will require 20 seconds of insane courage and bravery? And remember, we do it because of what our king has done on our behalf. This morning, I was having some time with the Lord And I read in my devotional this quote by Paul David Tripp. And as I was reading, I felt impressed. And the Lord was like, hey, Nick, you need to put that in your message. And I told the Lord my message was already written. He didn't take too kindly to that. So as a step of obedience for myself, I'm going to share with you what he shared with me. Paul David Tripp says this. We love because he first loved us. We give because he first gave to us. We lay down our lives because he first laid down his. We are willing to suffer for his sake because he first suffered for us. We obey because in his obedience we are given hope. We fight temptation because he fought it and defeated it on our behalf. We are willing to humble ourselves and serve because he left the splendor of eternity, humbled himself, and served up to and through the point of death. This is why we are brave. Bow your heads. Jesus, thank you 
Thank you that you took the first step. Thank you that you displayed your faithfulness so we get the opportunity to respond to your faithfulness. And Lord, for all my friends in this space, for my friends watching online, there is a step that you're inviting us to take. Lord, may we be willing to take that step. Maybe for some of us in this space and in this place, maybe that step is to get off the throne of our lives and allow the fitting king to sit on the throne of our lives by saying yes to Jesus right here and right now. And maybe that's you right now. If you could say something like this, Dear Jesus, I don't understand it all. Nobody does. But the best way I know how I say yes to the perfect life you lived, I say yes to the fact that you surrender your life on the cross, paying a debt I was unable to pay because I was bankrupt. But you had sufficient funds with your perfect life lived. I say yes to the fact that three days later, you gave back a borrowed tomb and you overcame death and sin and the grave. And through you and you alone, I am able to overcome death and sin and the grave. I say yes. I say yes to my seat at your table where you have pulled out my chair and you have set the table for me. I say yes to the fact that you have given me a robe of righteousness that I did not earn and a signet ring of the family signifying that I'm forever a part of your family. I say yes. If you say yes to the king in this moment on the authority of God's word, it says that you will be saved. Another way to say it is you have taken your seat at the table of the king and you're no longer defined by your past but who your king is. Maybe for some of us in this place, Lord, it's taking this brave step to take our next step of obedience after saying yes to you, which we believe is baptism. Maybe it's being reconciled. Maybe it's asking for forgiveness. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's a litany of other things. But may we be brave. Lord, may we fix our eyes on you and respond accordingly. Lord, may your faithfulness Yield faithfulness in us. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.